very excited about getting him where we got him. This is the Turn on the Jets podcast, presented by Prime Sport. Lake Lock is down to one. McCown gets it off. He's throwing long on the near side for Anderson. He's got him into the open field. Touchdown, Jets! And now, here's your host, Joe Caparoso. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of TurnOnTheJets.com. Very excited this week that we are going to be joined by NFL draft analyst John Ledyard. Before we dive into our conversation, got to get through some housekeeping. Want to remind you guys, this podcast is brought to you by Prime Sport, official sponsor and team partner of the New York Jets. Make sure to check out primesport.com slash turn on the Jets for more information on their upcoming ticket and hospitality packages heading into the 2018 season. They also have a couple packages currently live now for the Big East Tournament and March Madness, so make sure to check out primesport.com slash turn on the Jets. Also give them a follow on Facebook and Twitter at primesport. Podcast is also brought to you by Razorsport.com. That's R-A-Z-E-R-S-P-O-R-T.com. The best in the business for betting consultants. March Madness is upcoming. We still got NBA going on. We got NHL. There's even still some Olympics things that you could bet on at this point. So make sure to go to Razorsport.com. Make sure to give them a follow on Twitter at Razorsport Club. Show some love to the sponsors. They're supporting the podcast. We appreciate their support. We appreciate you guys listening every week. And with that, we're going to bring in John Ledyard, who is a draft analyst for Fan Rag Sports, NDT Scouting, and the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. He's a busy guy this time of year, but we are going to dive in to the 2018 NFL Draft. John, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing great, Joe. Thanks for having me, man. I'm looking forward to this. Absolutely. So let's start big picture and then work our way down. Mm-hmm. If you could describe this NFL Draft or this NFL Draft class, you know, Briefly, within over a few sentences, what sticks out about this class compared to some recent years overall? Uh, well, you know, it's funny you say that. Um, I think that it's it's not a great class, but it's not a horrible class either. Like we're not going to think of it in the 2013 type of you know conversation, but it's definitely not a great class. One of the old Packers coaches, I can't remember who it was, uh, when the Packers went like. One ten and one. I think he said they overwhelmed one opponent, they underwhelmed ten, and they whelmed one. And I feel like this is kind of a whelming class. Like you're definitely not going to be overwhelmed. Like last year's class was amazing. I mean, you're not going to get that from this year's class, I don't think. But there's some some deep position groups, uh, deep enough at some certain position groups that I think it's not going to be underwhelming either. I don't think you're going to look back at this class and say, wow, what a disappointing group. So yes, it's not the most exciting class in the world, but we have, I mean, it actually is really exciting. It's just not loaded with talent at every position because you have tons of quarterbacks at the top. That's always worth talking about. You have some very clear cut or at least guys that are in that top tier conversation of player but there's a lot of discussion. Who's the best linebacker? Who's the best? Harold Landry when he's healthy better than Bradley Chubb? You know, you have those kind of discussions at each position group. So it's been a fun class to evaluate. I don't think you're going to say that this class is the best one that we've seen in the last couple of years, though. When it's all said and done, how many quarterbacks do you ultimately think end up going in the first round? And what teams, when you hear sort of the first four or five quarterback names rattled off, jump to the top of your mind as teams that are going to target these guys? Yeah, well, I would think that the Browns are our team that's definitely going to go quarterback. Even if they sign someone, unless they were to sign the Kirk Cousins to like big money, then I think they would you would see them move in a different direction. 
the the AJ McCarron situation is super interesting for Cleveland because you you or you should be able to sign AJ McCarron to just back up money. You know, you any guy that could compete to be a starter and nothing crazy for sure. But the the reports have been that he's going to be paid. I don't know why he was a fifth round pick that the NFL didn't like, and he's only played okay in a couple games. I don't. It makes no sense to me, but apparently that's what's going to happen. So if they were to pay Jim McCarron a ton, that the price tag on that is important because. You don't want to pay your number one pick, you know, quarterback and have him sit for a couple of years behind a guy you just paid to be your starter. So I know they have the money to waste, but I just think wasting money is still wasting money. But the Browns are definitely one to watch. The Giants are kind of the, the X factor team. They could definitely take a quarterback. And I think they should. Eli Manning, 36, coming off a rough season. He's kind of declined for the last several years. I think they've only been to the playoffs once in the last five years or so. So I definitely think they should move in that direction. But there's been enough reports that sound like they're considering moving out of that spot. Now, Indy is probably considering moving out of that spot as well. Cleveland at four. I think those teams are all trade back. And then you have the Broncos right now in need of a quarterback. We'll see what happens with Cousins. The Jets in need of a quarterback. And then teams that could jump up into the first round potentially and Arizona and Buffalo, Jacksonville, Minnesota that could jump up in, in, in the draft at some point to grab a quarterback. So those are probably your your main quarterback teams with teams like Miami and Baltimore and the Chargers, not the Steelers so much, I don't think, uh, but maybe the Patriots uh, being teams that could make a move if the price was right, but I don't know that it will be. When you look at this running back class, which seems to be particularly deep compared to recent years. Where do you stand on the value or line of thinking of taking a guy like Saquon Barkley in the top five? Personally, I'm not a big fan or advocate of taking a running back that high because I feel like you could always find value in the middle rounds and it's a fairly replaceable position. But just how deep is this running back class? And where do you stand on maybe going to take a running back that high despite all that potential mid-round talent? Yeah, it's a very deep running back class, very talented running back class. I am pretty much with you on the running back theory. My my basic overline is if you have a need at running back that is obvious, more obvious than all your other needs on your roster, that means that means in that situation you have a quarterback in place, you have an offensive line in place that you can count on, you have at least some type of weapon in the receiving game, and defensively you're you're good enough at pass rusher and and coverage to feel like you can take a running back in the first round. If you're in that position, and not a lot of teams drafting the top 10 are, there have been some over the years. The Cowboys were a pretty close example to that. I know Romo ended up getting hurt again. I don't know if they foresaw that, but even if Romo had been out and then they lucked into Dak later in the draft. But I feel like their decision to go Elliott made sense to me because they had a great offensive line in place. You needed a great running back to maximize what that line could do. And when Elliott's been on the field, that has absolutely happened. So there are certain situations where I feel like I get it. I don't in this situation with most teams in Barkley because I don't even think Barkley's the best running back in the draft. I do have a first-round grade on Saquon Barkley, but if you watch Darius Geis and Sony Michelle play running back, in my opinion, you will find two guys that do the essential things a running back needs to do. Vision, patience, decisiveness, that all kind of goes hand-in-hand. Your ability to process information from pre-snap, to the point where you take the handoff and how do you react to that information, those guys are elite in that way. I don't think Barkley's elite in that way, right? He tries to bounce runs and do his own thing and win on athleticism a lot of the time. We've not really seen that succeed consistently in the NFL with a running back. Burst and acceleration, Barkley's off the charts there. To me, that's another main trait you need as a running back. I think he does very, very well for himself there. Uh, Contact balance, though, ability to finish runs through contact. To me, Geis and Michelle were both better than Barkley in that area. Uh, Their ability to finish runs through contact, fall forward consistently. 
Barkley at times tiptoed into the line of scrimmage and into physical confrontations with players. And this isn't to say that he's soft. I just don't think it's his preferred playing style. Stylistically, I've actually kind of compared Saquon Barkley to Reggie Bush coming out of USC. Tons of highlight reel runs, ability to get outside of structure, make people miss in space, crazy elusiveness. The big difference is Barkley is still... 230 pounds, six foot, 230 pounds, where Reggie Bush was much smaller, now down near 200 pounds. Uh, so the amount of things Barkley can accomplish in the NFL, I mean, the sky is the limit for him at that size. What the concern is that if he doesn't adjust the way that he plays stylistically, he's going to be a maddening type of runner where you're going to get some great chunk plays, but you're going to get tons of lost negative yardage. And that was really statistically true at Penn State this past season. Even when his offensive line was good, he was losing yardage trying to improvise on his own. And against teams that couldn't run and couldn't match his athleticism like Iowa, he lit it up. And against teams that could like Ohio State, he didn't do anything. So that was the big difference to me when you watch Barkley is that his ability to play inside a structure isn't as good as those other guys. So I wouldn't spend a top tick up ten top ten pick on him. You know, when you consider teams and what they need in the top ten. I think he's gonna be an amazing offensive weapon all the way around. But even if if I were drafting a running back higher, I'd probably go with a different guy, even though I think Barkley is is a great talent. Looking at the pass rushers, you know, coming at this from a, a Jets perspective, let's say they do land Kirk Cousins in free agency. Their biggest need besides quarterback is pass rusher. They're at number six. Do you think there is any scenario where a guy like Chubb is available at six? And if not, how would you go about addressing pass rusher if you were the Jets? Is there any other pass rusher worthy of taking at that six spot? Or would you look to potentially trade back? Or could you get good enough value with one of their two second-round picks where you feel like you could wait until day two and address that problem? Yeah, to me, I think it, the big question to me is, does Todd Bowles, does Todd Bowles really value running back you know, or edge defender? Does he really value the position? Because we've seen in Arizona it wasn't their biggest priority. And we, even with the Jets, it's – not been the biggest priority, really. So if Bulls feels like when he looks at this edge defender class that there's a guy that he can really hang his hat on, maybe he goes there. I tend to think they'll address it in uh, the later pick uh, in the draft. But the options for him are pretty much if Bradley Chubb's off the board at that point, if Harold Landry is a good option for his defense. Um, he makes a ton of sense there. I think he can play from a two-point stance. He can play with his hand down if you need him to. He can do some different things. Uh, the question is going to be – his combine is going to answer really the questions, Harold Landry, because – you know, he looked great two years ago and then in 2016. And then uh, this year, this past season, he was hurt a lot more and didn't really rely, wasn't able to rely on his athleticism as much. So if he proves he's a mint level athlete, then he's probably going to go somewhere in that six to 15 range. He's going to, or 14 range by Green Bay would, would have their eye on him as well. So I think that's probably the only guy to me. And I know Marcus Davenport's getting a ton of love. He's probably going to go high. I don't get it. I watch his tape, and I see just a, a guy with pad level issues without a real plan of attack. Uh, his motor's kind of on and off. Um, I think the combine may expose some cracks. I think he's a good athlete. I don't know if he's going to kill the combine like people think he is, but um, I, I, I don't know that I see him as a great option for the Jets in that range, but I don't see another edge that I think is going to go in the first round, um, to be honest right now. You know, I think – Guy like Sam Hubbard, Ogboni, Okoronkwo, they could go later in day two. But um, and and there's some guys that could be good options for the Jets later on in the draft. I just I don't know that they're going to have a great first round option unless Harold Landry really shows out at the combine and they feel confident in him there. Then maybe we'll see Bulls go away from what he's done in the past and and address edge defender or address outside linebacker and uh, go with a pass rusher early on. And I think the Jets could really use it. I'm just not convinced that he feels it's the primary need. 
What is Minka Fitzpatrick's best role at the next level? Is it is it corner? Is it safety? Is it, is it sort of a hybrid role? And overall, the cornerback market, as this is another major area of need for the Jets, uh, how deep is this class? And if it's not Fitzpatrick, is there a guy who would merit the sixth pick? Or is it another position where, again, you could get really good value in the second round and there's not someone you should really reach for there? Yeah, I think that for Minka Fitzpatrick, he's just incredibly talented. I believe that he could play any position, but the reality is that he played safety in nickel slot corner. I mean, he was on the field all the time, so it wasn't like he just came in certain packages, but he was on the field either as a safety or as an inside slot defender or a box safety or anything like that. I mean, he he blitzed half the time. I mean, he was he did everything, but it was all in those kind of roles. So he just has not seen much time at outside corner for Alabama, and that takes development if you're going to do it. Um, he did two years ago or, or three years ago, was it now? I think his freshman year actually was, yeah, when he played a lot of outside corner, and I thought he was very good in that role, but he's been away from it for two years. I think the traits and things can be picked back up, but he only had, I think it was 11 snaps at outside corner uh, this past season. I believe I read that. So it's not a ton of experience there. So he can play it, but you're going to have to take time to be able to play press man and turn and find the ball vertically, more vertical routes when you're on the outside. You know, how to use the sideline as your friend, you know, how to read releases and press man, you know, all those different types of things. He has that ability. That's completely fine. If a team feels comfortable that they can develop him there, that's great. He's going to make an immediate impact as a nickel defender matching up against tight ends, running backs, whatever it might be, or as a single high free safety, as a box safety. He is 100% like LaMarcus Joyner, um, only bigger and more explosive like Tyron Matthew, only bigger than as explosive as Matthew was pre-injuries. Um, you know, there To me, he can be a game-changing type defender for a defense if he's used in that versatile fashion. You know, If you use him as outside corner, you got to develop him. I think he has the traits to be able to do that. His coaching and situation will matter a ton, so he becomes a little bit of a tougher projection. Again, I think the ability is fully there, but you see a lot of guys with ability get into the NFL, and then they get terrible coaching, and they don't get great development at all. Um, And so then that really kind of shakes things up in terms of what they could be. Um, And so I would say if you wanted to make an immediate impact, play him inside in the slot, play him as a safety, you know, play him uh, all those different ways. You can roll him up near the line of scrimmage. You can play him back single high. You can roll your coverages with him. He gives you so much versatility and flexibility in the hands of the right defensive coordinator. And he's a guy that Todd Bowles would love to have on his defense. I know he just spent two picks at safety last year in the first two picks. I don't know that he can afford to spend another one there. But, I mean, I I mentioned Tyron Matthew. I mean, this is a guy that Bowles would – you know, be will probably have hearts in his eyes for no question, but I just don't know if they can afford to spend another pick there after addressing it twice. It is a deep cornerback group. I don't think there's anybody necessarily like Minka, uh, but there, in terms of guys that'll play on the outside, Denzel Ward, Joshua Jackson, Mike Hughes, Isaiah Oliver. I like Jair Alexander from Louisville a lot. Carlton Davis is an interesting long press guy who doesn't really find the ball and make a lot of plays in the ball, but very tough, very physical and run support in his own scheme. I think he could be really, really good. Um, and then there's guys later in the draft too. I mean, so they, you've got everything in this class at the, at the defensive back position. You know, are there game changers that find and make a lot of plays in the ball like you saw with Tredavious White and Marshawn Lattimore and to me, Gary and Conley when he was healthy uh, coming out and, and guys of that nature. Uh, Marlon Humphrey even this past season for Baltimore did that a lot. That was an issue for him in college. So I don't know if you'll see game changers on quite that level at cornerback this year, but the, maybe a, like a step down from Lattimore White this year, who are phenomenal as rookies. I think you've got a lot of guys kind of that would be in that group at cornerback. Every year it feels like there's one or two moves that somewhat come out of left field, a surprise trade up. You know, last year you had 
Uh, Kansas City, Houston, uh, Chicago all make moves to get a quarterback. Who is the one or two teams this year that you think will be very aggressive and either make a a surprise trade-up or take somebody in the top ten who kind of comes out of left field? Basically, who who are the one or two teams who could shake up what most people are expecting in the first round of the NFL draft? Well, to me, I think it's the Giants because we're going to be unless they trade down early, you know, or something like that. We're going to be wondering what they're going to be doing because they're the rare position of having a quarterback who a lot of teams would trade for uh, in one as their starter and still needing a quarterback if they're being realistic. You know, so it's kind of a weird spot to be in um, when you're picking in the top 10. And the other weird thing about the Giants is that their defense played terribly last year, but they really aren't going to play aren't going to spend any picks on defense at number two I mean I don't you're not going to take a pass rusher. you're paying Pierre Paul and and Olivier Vernon a ton of money you know you've got your interior defensive line in place you're not taking anybody there they've not cared about linebacker for years although maybe Gettleman changes that because he comes from Carolina where he he definitely prioritized the position now I just don't know if you're going to take Roquan Smith that high so maybe you bump down and you take but at two I think it's quarterback or they move down I don't you know and I know people say Bo Barkley would be great there I'm just not sure they think that way. I mean, you know, look at Gettleman when he was there. I mean, he, they relied on Jonathan Stewart forever. When it looked, even when he was struggling with injuries, they didn't really prioritize him much. So maybe, maybe he changes things, and uh, you know, maybe that 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 part of things gets changed up. But I think that the Giants would behoove them to take a quarterback here. To me, it would be Josh Rosen. But I think they're one team that could definitely uh, trade down in the draft uh, and see some things happen. The other ones probably whatever happens with Denver and Kirk Cousins because if Denver signs Kirk Cousins you know they have some holes but this is a team that can compete with a quarterback and they would have competed last year with a quarterback so they're going to feel very comfortable about if they get a great offer and somebody wants to jump up uh, and now that would be incumbent upon you know Cleveland keeping four and not and not taking a quarterback probably and, and maybe even the Giants not taking a quarterback uh, but you know if somebody if that five spot starts looking real good and Denver starts getting calls saying teams are trying to jump up there you know maybe the Giants didn't pa- you know pass on a quarterback you know maybe uh, C- Cleveland didn't take one didn't trade out a number four and so nobody got up there for quarterback Indy took Bradley Chubb and all of a sudden two of the top four quarterbacks are on the board Denver's going to get a ton of calls they're going to get some great offers um, and I think that they were a team that could bump down a couple spots too and change things up on the first round what happens in free agency with Denver kind of will determine it, not necessarily on draft day, but uh, it could be a pretty fun ride with those top teams because there are more quarterbacks available in free agency than there typically are. We could see that change things up. Like if Arizona gets a quarterback in free agency or by trade, you know, Nick Foles maybe or something, then they're out of the, they're probably not making a move for a quarterback in the first round. So we start to cross some teams off and then it becomes obvious who the teams are that are going to make that move and try and be aggressive and go get one. And one of those teams for sure is Buffalo. So that's going to be another interesting, the two, four or five. If Denver signs cousins, Buffalo is going to try and get into one of those spots. I'm sure. Two, probably the two most divisive quarterback prospects this year, Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. Where do you see those guys ultimately going and how do you project them performing at the next level? It doesn't really sound like Josh or uh, Lamar Jackson is going to go first round right now. That could definitely change. I could see Minnesota being a team that's interested in him back into the first round. I could see New England being interested in him, to be honest. So that wouldn't shock me if it changes and he does sneak into the first round. Um, it sounds like he'll fall the furthest of those top five. Uh, to me, I still think he's a little bit better than Josh Allen right now. I'm not crazy about Lamar Jackson. I'm definitely not crazy about Lamar or about uh, Josh Allen. But uh, I think that J- Allen, it sounds like at least, will probably go in the top 10. I don't think he'll go first overall to Cleveland, but 
I bet if Denver and the Jets haven't addressed a quarterback, it's a very viable option for them, very viable option for the Jets, I think. Um, you know, I, I think that there's development needed there for sure, uh, tons of it, uh, because he isn't a great decision maker. To me, quarterback is about accuracy, decision making, and mental processing more than anything else. And everything else kind of builds off of that, and it's going to be great stuff. But those are the things you need. And to me, he doesn't really do any of those things at a really high level in terms of the really important stuff. So if you weigh that stuff a lot, um, his ability to do it well, there's been glimpses of it. But Again, you know, consistency in those areas. Consistency is everything at quarterback. We've seen so many quarterbacks over the years come through, throw well, you know, have a great arm, have great tools, and have great flashes. But how many quarterbacks have ever been good in the NFL, especially in today's era, that haven't been consistent and that haven't been terrific from the neck up? And I just – maybe Allen is when he's on the board, but when he's on the field, that stuff goes out the window too often and it really worries me. So – in terms of teams that they'll go to, like I said, I think that those are kind of the, the hotspot options for them. I never rule out Cleveland making a mistake. So Cleveland at one going Josh Allen is very possible. I just, I mean, it would just be in this quarterback. I mean, I just think Josh Rosen and Baker Mayfield are the real deal of quarterback. Darnold even, I like, I think he's closer to developing um, into a star than, than Josh Allen is uh, and much less risky. So to me, I just think it would be so silly if Cleveland did that, but Never rule out Cleveland doing something silly. That's what I always say. All right, final question, and I'm sure you get this a lot, particularly at this time of the year. And I'll just have you do the first six or seven picks since that's where the Jets are, Jets are lined up. As it stands today, and I know free agency is going to shake things up, what would you say your, your mock draft looks like for the first, I don't know, six to eight picks? Man, it hasn't changed that much in a while for me. So I think that it's I think Darnold's gonna go to Cleveland. I think at the end of the day they're gonna convince themselves he's got all the intangibles that they want. I think he's gonna go to Cleveland. I think Rosen's gonna go to the Giants. Um I I think at the end of the day they're just gonna be smart about it. The only other option to me is trade down for the Giants. I think it's Rosen or a trade down. I know some people have said Allen could develop there. It's true, but why not just take a guy who's ready to win now and then try and trade Eli Manning? I mean, you can still get something for him at 36 and he's declining, you know, you get something for him while you can, uh, Indianapolis, uh, Bradley Chubb. If they stay there, Bradley Chubb is going to be the pick. I definitely think Cleveland is going to get out of number four. I, I mean, I just don't see any, why I don't know why they would stay there. They don't need Bradley Chubb. They have two pass rush, two edge guys that are going to play like 85% of their snaps. Uh, they don't need an interior defensive lineman with Ogan Joby and, and, uh, Caleb Brantley coming up with, along with Shelton. Uh, so that, you know, what do they take there? They have linebackers in place. They don't take Roquan Smith. The only other guy I can see is Minka Fitzpatrick, and I'm just not sure that they'll pull the trigger on him at number four if they think they can trade down a couple spots and still get him. So I think they'll field calls. If they stay there, it's either Barkley or Minka Fitzpatrick. Now, we'll go Barkley for now. Uh, Denver, to me, I just think John Elway is going to fall in love with Baker Mayfield. Now, if they sign Kirk Cousins, they're off the table for quarterback. Let's say they sign Kirk Cousins because I think they will. Then you have a situation where it's Quentin Nelson or Roquan Smith, and I think it's a very difficult conversation for Denver because Roquan, next to Brandon Marshall, might put that defense over the top. He's that good. Quentin Nelson, on that offensive line, you get Ron Leary back from injury. Matt Paradise has played great at center. You've got a great interior offensive line. And you've got Garrett Bowles on the left side. You come back, try and get a right tackle. You can really start building up the trenches. So it's going to be one of those two guys to Denver. For today's purposes, why not go with Quentin Nelson? The Jets, I think it's got to be. A, I would not sign Kirk Cousins if I'm the Jets. I would. I, I think he's a good quarterback. I think that they need to build around a rookie. I would. I prefer them to do that. Um, you know, and I, I think that 
paying all that money to, I would rather draft a quarterback and build around him with tons of money than sell it for other guys and build up that great defense and do all those things with the money that they have and then sign a quarterback who I think needs a strong supporting cast and a strong, you know, offensive quarter, strong offensive system around him to be able to succeed. And that's what I think you would be doing with cousins. So to me, I would take a quarterback if I'm the Jets. And if Denver signs Kirk Cousins, I think the chances go up. Baker Mayfield's on the board, and I think he's the perfect guy for the Jets. I think that a lot of the things that their receiver does want, I know John Morton moved on. I know that they got rid of him. And you know, to me, outside looking in, I thought John Morton did a terrific job with that passing attack. If they keep some of those same concepts in place and go with some spread looks and and go with some uh, you know heavy wide receiver looks and let Baker Mayfield play his game, um, I think that the Jets can be a really effective offense with Mayfield at the helm with some of the different types of talents that they have a receiver. They have some nice mismatching pieces that make it tough for defenses. So that would be that would be how I see the first six picks playing out, and then Tampa Bay probably goes with Harold Landry or Vita Vea or somebody like that at number seven. All right, John, we appreciate you taking the time today. Everyone, make sure to go follow him on Twitter at LED. Y-A-R-D NFL draft. It will be very busy the next few months. And when the Jets do ultimately make these decisions, let's definitely talk again and uh, see how they did overall. Absolutely, man. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. Show is available on all three places. Thank you for listening, and we will be back next week.